0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 31st episode of the Hipfire Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Yasser, joined by my other co-host, Seth. And we have a special guest today, uh, as you guys may know, Patch, Passion, and Breit, you know, the Croatian king. Uh, you know, Back on again for another special episode, so thank you, uh, Patch, for coming on. Um, but today, you know, we got a great episode for you all to listen to. Uh, we're going to be breaking down, obviously, the CDL major that happened uh, this most previous weekend, as well as, you know, uh, what we think of the top four teams that came from the CL major, all uh, things to talk about the AM scene and what happened with the Challenger Open this weekend as well. Um, but you know, first off, wanted to thank everyone for 100 subscribers. I know Seth and I didn't ever think we'd get this far. Um, with regards to you know creating this podcast just a year ago, I mean this was just something to pass time during the pandemic. Um, but to see you know you know everyone showing some support and love you know, really doesn't mean a lot to us. So thank you for that again. Um But yeah, the CDL major we happened to have this past weekend, obviously, Faze ended up taking it in quite a uh, dominant performance. Uh, really, really, uh, they looked very strong, didn't look like Dallas really had uh, any momentum uh within that entire series. Honestly, it was quite, you know, boring to watch. It didn't, it looked like one team was just beating down on the other. It looked like a you know, optic AW performance back when they used to do that all the time. But uh, page and uh, Seth, what did you guys make uh, of that Grand Finals? In- Inga, Pash.
1: I mean, uh, as as you said, uh, FaZe really played some uh, immaculate Call of Duty, in my opinion. I think that Dallas didn't have a shot, not because of map videos, just because Simp and Abisi were just absolutely frying. And when you have uh, best SMG duo in a game on that level, I don't think you can do much, even with a trio that is uh, Hugh, Shotzi, and Ellie.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, just going into a bit of the, you know, looking at Phase and how their entire major run um, led to this point. Obviously, they didn't drop a single match um, the entire uh, stage one. Uh, obviously, the only match that we've seen them lose as far as the preseason kickoff match to... Uh, florida and ever since then it looks like they've made real strides in their game you know one thing that we saw last year with phase that was you know a big discussion um especially when they played dallas at the uh, uh champs was the fact that this team especially in Hardpoint, you know they failed to focus on fundamentals they were always focused on you know breaking kills the rotation didn't really matter because they just bully their way in and When teams like Dallas, who played strong fundamentally, um, you know, rotated and got in good positions, they ended up taking down Faze because Faze lacked that fundamental gameplay. But now we see that that isn't the case anymore. You know, in this four v four setup with our cities, um, it's they placed a larger focus on that, and they benefited as a result. Um, You know, we saw in the hard points them constantly winning on rotation. Um, you know constantly set having really strong setups i mean looking at um their hardpoint advanced dashboard uh from Cod league stats uh this is these are stats prior to the this mo- most recent weekends matchup but I think it you know encompasses how their hardpoint went uh, throughout really the entire stage so of all the teams in hardpoint FaZe actually had the greatest uh, overall break percentage which isn't that much of a surprise um obviously if you were to say which team breaks hills more than any other i think most people would say phase given their aggression uh, i think the key so they were at 32.61 percent overall break percentage most other teams are around 20 to 25 percent. so again ahead of the pack in that case although they weren't running rotation most of the time they're actually 48.131 I think it's above what they used to be, and they're holding hills eighty three point seven two percent of the time, which is to give some context. That's around. That's uh, a bit above average. Most teams are around seventy nine to eighty. I think Dallas is the only one that has like a ninety hold percentage. But again, um, it doesn't matter if phase is breaking most of the time or getting the kills on rotation. Um, so again, that shows their hard point dominance. Uh, but I, I think what most people are going to talk about and the reason why. They, you know, beat Dallas as bad as they were was because of their S and D. I mean, eleven and one. Their only loss coming to the Ultra, you know, shout out the Ultra. Got to give the wins when they can. Um, eleven and one. They played every single S and D map and won every single S and D map more than once, with the exception of Checkmate, which they've only won once because they played it once. Um, their S and D stats are disgusting, especially when you look at their advanced stats as a team. Um, to give some context, again, this is from March six, so this won't include the finals, but the average for regarding S D overall um, offensive win percentage, most teams win offense around let's say forty to fifty at most. Like one team's maybe sixty percent. Faze wins offense seventy one point four three percent of the time. They're winning at an astronomical rate more than any other team. It their setups, their pushes, their ability to know like mid in game adjustments is uncanny. Know what position to get. Apply map pr- pressure is. Um, the way they do it is honestly something that's just for sore eyes, the way that they're able to push and be so aggressive, because they just know that they have better shots than most people, and I think that's just something that really stood out to me was their S&D, but uh, other than that, what did you guys see individually from those players?
2: Well, for, for me, when I looked at Atlanta over the tournament, like he said, their teamwork and respawn was on point, as he mentioned with you know, breaks and stuff, but also, just like an eye test, it seems like they were baiting and switching, I think, the best at any other team in the CDL. Especially Sip and Ibiza, they like it's just so fluid. They just know when to slide for somebody else and they know when to trade for somebody else. Like they, they trade and bait and like it's perfect. Like the way they play respawns is, is just fantastic. And then like you mentioned for search, if they're winning offense that like that many times and they're getting first bloods because of Ibiza all the time, let's say on the off chance they end up in a one V X situation. There's not a better better team in, in like the league at one VX's. You know, you got Selium, you got Simp. I think it was like the Paris series where they went to a game five, and they ended up clutching it up because I think Sally got like a one v three and Sip got a one v two. I might have mixed that up, but uh, yes, yeah, so even if you are able to take some kills and, and play competitive yes and S and D, they could still just one v three out of nowhere, and they're just, like they're super clutch and like yeah, it's just like really impressive to me because you know the issues last year, like Yas mentioned, was in teamwork and in hardpoint especially on like on gunrunner right we had we had so many complaints that they couldn't hold hills properly um but they seem to have fixed a lot of that and i again like i don't know how much of that is our cities because like he said in an interview recently he said like i don't have to do much you know these guys just fry they're nasty um but not wrong. He's, yeah no, he's not wrong um but there is definitely just from lo- watching their gameplay there's definitely been a much more of an effort to play as a team and to trade kills and to bait for each other. They're like the very selfless stars, which I think is what makes them so good. Is mm-hmm. you never feel like one of them's kill whoring. You know, you never feel like one of them's like trying to do too much. They all kinda know what their role is. And like it's weird because from a staff perspective or from like I guess just like I don't know what perspective, but like Celium's like sort of their worst player, which is not a problem at all if he's like the one that's not performing the best. Because he's still very good. And, like, last year you had Major Maniac was uncomfortable at times, and you had pre flipping roles. So, like, now with this team, it, it looks even better than it did last year, which is just scary. That's kind of my thoughts on FaZe. Do you
0: have any other
1: thoughts uh, on FaZe, uh, Yeah, I do. Uh, I think people people will give props to Crowder and uh, RCDs for um, uh, improvements, but I think uh, RJD assistant coach of the phase is a good shout as well because both of them rcds and crowder said a, a lot of good things about rj and i tr and i trust those two uh also to mention their respawn it has been better just because that bait and switching you mentioned is up to perfection and uh, they know h- how and when to push uh, their rate control i think they haven't lost it yet or maybe lost it once.
0: Just, because
1: just yeah, uh, they lost once and mm. they are the best raid team in my opinion both, uh, all S&D, Hardpoint and Control just because of the way they play they are so annoying uh, bait and switch, playing fundamentally well, uh, not giving uh, the team uh, uh, easy rotations or anything like that, they are constantly putting pressure, which uh, last year you could see that, but there wasn't that uh, that many trades. They would outslay and still lose in hard Dallas was doing that to them, and then we saw in those two series, completely opposite. Uh, Dallas was out rotated, outslayed, and outgunned, which is like uh, scary to see that team actually doing so well early in the year.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think uh, without a doubt this is obviously the best team in the game. They're clearly understand the game at a higher level than everyone else right now. So it's really just a matter of who's gonna catch up to this team. Because I'd expect teams to get better at, at respawn in particular. Um, I don't expect face to only have one S loss and in, in going into majors. Uh, but then again, you look at it like I can't, like there's such a strong team at, at a core and their team plays is, is incredible right now. So it's, it's gonna be really difficult to see a team you know, take a series off them, especially when you're looking at snd is almost you know chalked up uh but moving on obviously we got to talk about the team that they ended up playing which was dallas um uh you know there were people that were high on dallas going into this major you know figured they could take it down and understandable so obviously they were the second place team uh they had won cdl champs it was gonna be interesting to see how they would go up against you know the likes of optic and the likes of phase and so going back to that Optic matchup, obviously extremely close, uh, you know, only one by one round. I think one thing to talk about um, that was impressive with Dallas was their hardpoint point in that series in particular. Obviously, people credit Optic all the time for being an incredible respawn team, which they, they should be. They're arguably one of the best. Um, but Dallas took both hardpoints points, if I'm not mistaken, off them. And I think that was really impressive to see. Um, obviously, you're know, looking at more at their uh, advanced analytics stats from Hardpoint. point. Uh, I know Dallas is yeah ninety point two four percent hold rate, so that it's way above uh, that. Again, this is taken into account this was before uh, most of the matches. It was, this is updated as of March first, so doesn't include their matches necessarily against Optic. But again, it, it shows that their their ability to you know their setups are, are super strong. Uh, again, they, they know how to trade out. They know how to keep spawns. They're winning rotations most of the time. So as a hard point team, they're, they're doing a pretty good job. Uh, obviously, that uh, that checkman I know most people will be very upset how it ended up going. Hugh got incredible timing um, underneath plane to be able to shoot some guys in the back. Um, but again, you know, extremely strong team. I think the one thing to take away from this team, and we'll talk a bit about it a bit later when we mention our team of the major, is a guy like Hugh. and how much he has stepped up since uh, Clay has left. Because I think that, you know, Maven and Merk talked about it when they were saying, oh, well, you know, Clay left. Who's going to be that vocal leader to step up? Because they were down a phase. They're like, who's going to help them when they need the most? And Merk was like, I don't think Krim has to take it all on his own, as he's heard in comms. Duke's been the one that's been stepping up. You know, calling out where we need to be looking, where the pressure is coming from, where we need to apply that pressure on the map. It's not necessarily Krim that has to do it alone anymore. Duke has taken that role upon himself, and you can see it in his gameplay as well. He, he's playing at such a credible pace and is playing with such awareness that you know he's arguably one of the best players in the game. And he he's been a catalyst for why Dallas has been so successful. But what did you guys see from them in that grand finals and, and from the majors as a whole?
2: I mean, I'm going to keep it kind of brief, um, but you already hit a lot of a lot of good topics there. But for me, going into the year, I was really high on Illy in and v before Cod, and he didn't exactly stand out the most on the roster last year, and he still quite hasn't hit for, uh, hit form yet. It's going to happen. I don't think he's a weak link like at all. I think he's just, I think it's a confidence thing. For some reason, it just seems like against Faze, he just can't bring it sometimes. Uh, but like the series before that, he was playing well and frying. So it's not a question of, like, ability. I think it's just, I wonder if he sees, like, you know, the Tiny Terrors on the map and is like, oh, shit, this is not going to be fun. <laughs> um, no, he's he's very good. It's just, like, Inder just it's going to take a little bit of time. And especially, in, like, S&D, like, that's where I thought he'd really do well and where Dallas would really do well. He's
0: a 0.8 KD in s and
2: Yeah, it's, that's not, like, what do you expect from Ily at all, especially if you know his background. Like, that's not really good enough. And it's not going to last like that. It's definitely going to get better. So yeah, that's from from what I saw. It's just like, Inter needs to step it up in S and D. The whole team really has to play better in S and D, and it'll get there. Early days, not not too concerning. It's really good to see that, like you mentioned, the you know the hard part about breaking up a championship team is finding the teamwork and putting it back together, especially with leading with like uh, leave uh, start losing a guy like Clay. But like you mentioned, Hooks filled that role in perfectly, and uh, also like you know last year, I don't know if this is too much of a factor, but just. To people, you know, last year Ilian Shotzi started out really, really slow. And took a couple couple tournaments to get them going. So maybe that could be a consistent theme this year. Maybe they just start a little slow. And by the way, second place, if that's your starting slow, that's still very good. Um, but Paj, what'd you make of the Empire?
1: I wanna I wanna comment on Hugh here. Uh People tend to forget that, he, first of all, to build that uh, Empire team in MW, he took a pay cut, $100,000 pay cut. That's mm. not a small amount. Then after MW, he wanted to quit COT to switch to Valorant just so the other four stays together. And then now he's a vocal leader alongside Grimm uh, when it comes to comms. That just shows how he's ready to do e- e- everything to win and to for his team to shine to let others shine which is actually a really good thing and he's one of people people gave him crap about it before you know like you didn't win etc cetera, etc cetera. you know like you're you're on you have all these good teams and you still can't win but like in last two two years i think uh, that changed the perspective has been changed just because of the way he plays and the uh, things uh, he did for his teams and I think the uh, Hugh Danuke uh, is finally getting the praise he deserves.
0: No, hundred percent. And uh, there's you know spoiler. I mean, I, I don't think it's much of a spoiler, but he's going to be part of our team of the major or team of the stage rather, because um, of how incredible he is. I think one play that sticks out of my mind. Um, actually, we talked about this in the last podcast. So we'll let's we'll go to the next team. Um, we talked about how great Hugh is, but you know the team that plays third, I think, surprised a lot of people. Obviously, they were my pick to win, so a bit upset that they didn't end up getting it done. But um, New York, obviously, really impressive performance from them. You know, again, going into the season, obviously, this roster has been through numerous changes. Uh, Zuma retiring was you know a big shock to everyone, even their, their his own teammates, because they weren't really expecting that. Uh, a lot of people expected Hydra to be here already. He wasn't. And so they had to do with what they had. They, you know, they moved Mac from his preferred position at flex, or at least what he was initially going to play. And he played as a sub instead and had Diamond Calm come in and Asim was staying on the roster. So it was a lot of questions going into be what this roster was. How are they going to reform? Are they, is Clay going to be able to make it work with this, you know, you know, ragtag team of rookies and, you know, players that hadn't, you know, didn't have a lot of experience and they made it work and it was really impressive to see you know although they didn't maybe have as much scrim time on the game as other teams their the strides that they made throughout every game mode were really impressive in particular snd obviously they had diamond con shock calling pretty much all their snds and they were making a lot of really smart plays together now, on checkmate their 4x and 4 setup that they had at times was deadly um, all of those players were going off uh, clay uh, as Jay Cap has mentioned this looks like it might be his best game since aw and, and good reason for it um, in their communication um, you can hear how how much of a vocal leader clay is and that we expect to see um, but again everyone clearly respects him as a leader and, and is listening to him and taking his advice and you can see how strong they have been in, in almost every game mode obviously um, they're eight and six in Hardpoint, point six and six in S&D, and snd and And six and four in control um they definitely have their strong and weak maps for sure that they still need improvement on um but i think you know the pinnacle of that team was that uh was that optic series which i'm I'm sure we'll break down when we talk about optic but that optic series really show what they're capable of obviously optic didn't play up to par um but you know you also have to credit how new york played especially in that 4v11 control i mean the teamwork was absolutely on point, you know, Baden switching, you know, communication of where optic was pushing up on the map. And, uh, you know, they all play their role to a T, um, again, for such, such an ex- inexperienced team, it's really impressive. I mean, Seth and I both said like there, you know, this team might need Hydra to, to make it to the next level. And, and maybe you were wrong about that because clearly they have shown that they can make those strides by themselves. But what did you guys make of, of this roster and how they did?
2: Well, on the, on that note, um, I actually was going to say, I think Hydra for Mac instantly makes the team better. and But the reason why I say that is not because Mac's bad. It's just like, I don't think he's comfortable in his role. And again, he could get more comfortable with more practice. That is fair. But he hasn't seemed comfortable to me. And the nice thing about having Mac, though, is you can do the, the three, four XM4s on on um, Checkmate. Right? That's the nice part about having Mac still there. So in that, in that regard, then... Maybe maybe keep him on for for a longer time, but in terms of like keeping up with teams like Faze and Dallas, and you need that sub pressure. Like Max, just, I don't think he's gonna cut it. He did have a really good series against Dallas, to be fair. But I think if you want a consistent outslaying, like dominant, fast paced sub duo that's gonna keep up with Simp and BZ, I think Hydra and Asib can do it. Um, but yeah, like that being said, like they are very good. I don't think Hydra should come in. We talked about it last podcast. So I don't want to talk about it too much. But we don't expect Hydra to come in right away. It's gonna take time. And rolling with this current squad is not a bad thing. And then the last thing I want to talk about for New York is, like you mentioned, with Diamond, Call, uh, Diamond Con, shot calling S and think it also points to why Clay is such a good leader, because he's obviously expected to be the vocal leader and the leader of the team, and he is. But he also has the presence to say, like, all right, this we're picking up this am player who's nasty in search. It's like kind of what he built his yeah, young career on. Let him ride it. Let him like you know work on the map. Let him like call strats. It's just take a step back in S and D and let a an amateur player shot call for you. That's just like I don't know. That, to me, that, that speaks a lot to Glacier and his ability as a leader and his empowerment. I think it's really really like what sets him apart as a leader because we talked about it before last year a bit when we talked about the leadership qualities between Krim and Clay and guys like Enable uh, and, and and different things and kind of like aches as well and we are kind of figure out like, you know, what kind of s- style of leadership is best. And it's almost like the LeBron effect, I feel like, with Clay, where he's very like vocal leader and, and wants things done a certain way. But at the same time, he'll also step back and let you rock and let you do your thing. Right. I mean, how, how, how many years did he let Zuma do his wild flanks and two Zuma things and kind of just let it ride and, and still lead, but, but allow his teammates to, to have more just ability to do what they want on the map? I just that that's to me that's what stands out for Clay and why New York's so good. Uh, but Patch, what you make of New York?
1: Um, I mean it's pretty simple. Uh, it's it it is Clay's best uh, individual year since Advanced Warfare. I think people forgot uh, that the rookies that uh, come from S and D are actually disgusting. Diamond Khan has been talked about all uh, all last year. He won the challenge. Uh, the challengers at the end of uh, mw if yeah. i'm correct yeah, yep. I'm kind of, yeah um uh you have uh, a sim that is a great entry and he's for me a better version of pristini he's a bit more consistent than him then okay the problem with mac and um uh, the aggression it is there but i don't think it is necessarily a bad thing because sometimes with that you can put a three ar setup and maybe if we see a meta change with more ars than subs that may be a good thing of course uh with hydra you can always try them out but i think this new york team should stay unless something crazy happens i don't think it's n- the change is necessary as of yet because a top three finish while beating optic 3-0 for a top three is a really good showing yeah oh, for sure yeah
0: yeah, and with that, we'll we'll talk about our fourth team, obviously, uh, Optic Gaming, or, sorry, Optic Chicago. I do that a lot. Um, yeah, not exactly the performance they wanted uh, to have at this major. Obviously, started out with a 3-0 over New York. They looked very dominant. Dashy had over 2KD, which I want to talk about. That 2KD over New York in that series, that has to be one of the most dominant performances in a series ever. Like, I don't think, like, I'm trying to think about Back to series where players have had above a 2.0 KD and won in a 3-0 fashion. You know, not just you know stat whoring and losing the map, but winning it in that dominant of a fashion. I can't really think of many. I think uh, one Lord Josh in the Discord was talking about was a simp over the units uh, had over 2 KD at uh, Black Ops 4 champs. So again, doesn't happen very often. So you gotta you know take note of that and how impressive that performance was. Obviously, we talked about it earlier, but Dallas is uh, their match against Dallas was you know a heartbreaking round eleven loss. And I think the hard points is what really cost for them. You no, know, for a team that uh, you know, prides themselves on their, their strength and uh, and respawn. It didn't look like they were winning most of the rotations in that Dallas series. In fact it looked like they were losing the majority of them, constantly putting themselves on the back foot, which um, you know, obviously is never gonna go over very well with that team. Um, you know, you look at their respawn, their checkmates very strong. They're three and on that, which I'm assuming and they're three and zero on raid. So most of the time, if they played one of these maps, you know you're looking for a win. But you know in that series they played Moscow, they lost it one one to two. I can't remember. Patch, do you remember what first map in that series was?
1: Dallas? Yeah. Uh, it yeah. was Garrison.
0: Garrison. So if you look at the stats, obviously this is hindsight, but Garrison they're one and three on now. In Moscow they're one and two on now. So you know you look at the two hard points you should be playing, which are Checkmate and Raid. You're three and zero on both. I don't understand why Optic doesn't play one of these maps every single time they play um, a team. They're they're perfect on both. There's no your team can't be, veto both, obviously. So every series, Optic should be playing either Checkmate or Raid because they're perfect on both, in my opinion. Um, so a bit unfortunate there. So obviously, and that sort of gets into this other conversation about vetoes. Um, I'll let you guys talk about the players and the roster because I want to really talk about the vetoes because I felt like. Especially in that New York series, their video process was really confusing. Um, when it comes to uh, their control, especially with just the checkmate, obviously it was a bit of a breakdown by the OpTic uh, The group. Uh, they were 3-0 on that map previously. So looking at OpTic's control uh, in totality, they're 5-0 on raid. They have never played Garrison, and they were 3-0 on checkmate going into that New York series. Now you look at New York's records I believe you know, they were very great on Raid. They also had not played Garrison, and they were roughly 2 or 3-0 and o on Checkmate, so they had not lost Checkmate up until that point either. So, for that series, in specific that control, it was really up to OpTic. Okay, we gotta veto a map. Which one are we gonna do? And OpTic's philosophy has always been, and it kind of annoys me, has been, we're gonna play on them on our best maps because we're that strong. It doesn't really matter what they're good at. We're just gonna focus on what we're good at. And That's not a bad philosophy, but in this scenario, I would have liked to see OpTic, you know, try and bully the vetoes. And what I mean by that is they know New York's auto veto from what the looks of it or likes of it is, is garrison control as well. So they both veto garrison control. OpTic, I would have liked to see, okay, we're going to veto Checkmate, which is New York's best control. New York can either choose to, you know, pick their auto veto garrison and they play a map that neither of them have played before. or New York picks raid, which Optics five and zero on. So you know it gives New York a really tough situation to be in. And obviously, I get if Optics really scared that they're bad at garrison that they won't want to pick it. But again, New York's that's New York's auto veto too. You really think they're going to pick their auto veto just because they're that bad at raid? Maybe. But I think you know Optic could have done a bit more in the veto process to at least set them up for success. But what did you guys make of Optics' to uh, run?
2: Well, I think I think Mass said it best. He said. They won the coin flip with an ego child the map vetoes.
0: <laughs> um
2: that's basically what happened. But I know I know Paj wants to talk about dashing a little bit, so why don't you go and, and break it down, Paj.
1: Okay, I wanna um I'll quickly just go over the map vetoes. They really where where is uh Dallas and uh, New York, they kinda child, ego child the uh vetoes. Especially, I get the Moscow pick on hardpoint because um, Dallas is really good at the rate. Powerpoint as well, and Dallas hasn't been as successful I think they played one or two maps and they I think they Dallas, lost one
0: so sorry you, you continue, just for just for context Dallas is one to no on raid, and they're one and two on Moscow as well they're only one on Moscow uh, optic so yeah
1: yeah, so basically you know like they are, they are zero and two you know let, let let's try and surprise them you know, and I think that was a good thing, but like there was, a at one point, when we went on that 8th streak on a rotation, everybody else was dying. Optic was down 90 points, and they were getting outslayed by 2 kills. 90 points down, but only getting outslayed for 2 kills. That just shows how much they didn't play fundamentally correct at all. They just chalked it. That map was chalked from the start, from the get-go. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, the New York map, yeah, they really ego-childed. But I think they're re- they they aren't that good at the uh, garrison control, so they didn't want to risk it that much. but I don't know about that uh, garrison s and d pick. I really don't know what was in their heads. but it's fine. I think they'll learn from that mistake. Also, um problem with uh, optic and s and d, so we saw it in the uh, Empire series. If only gets picked and like if he doesn't get at least one or open up a site. That round is most likely chalked for them, and for me, when that doesn't work, you have Dashi, one of the best players, uh, best S and D players in the league, and he's an amazing playmaker. Why don't you let him sometimes do the uh, shots, be that playmaker, get that first blood? You know, like let him do some some some, let's say, weird stuff on a map that Onway sometimes does, or something, throw different looks at it, because, like. New York really countered Optic at the, that Garrison S and D uh, and Empire at, check, uh, at checkmate. So really, you know, when things go south, why don't you do, throw uh, something different instead of just doing the same thing over and over again? And I think once they realize they can do that, that like they have really two really good S and D players and playmakers at the same time, I think they will be a uh, championship contenders. I mean, they are right now, but. If they if their S and D gets on on par with phase, I think we can look at them as stage two or three uh, champions. No, yeah, I, yeah.
2: I, I, was go, say, I... I was just like I agree for sure, and like like you're saying, like it's it is weird because I think I feel like they've lent way too strong on the envoy go kill or envoy go flank strategy. And you're right, like you, your dash is sitting right there in the game. Let him make a play. Like it's it's a good thing. You, it's a good point you're raising because. Like it shouldn't have to be envoy every round they can play. It's a lot of first of all, it's a lot of pressure on him. and then also what we saw is that it gets red. Teams start playing more patiently and waiting for envoy to pop up somewhere on the map, and then they kill him, and then they're on a you know three before. So like like yeah, it's a really good point, Pash made there because like they definitely have to lean on dashing more, and it shouldn't be a one man show on SND. I, I uh, think. Yeah.
0: You know, sorry, I just want one last thing to talk talk about that. Um, I was going back through the stats uh, on on breaking point as well. And one common theme I, I noted for most teams is that um, most teams have one player stand out in terms of first blood rate. Usually there's one person that's always pushing you know, the pace to get that first blood. Optics one of the few teams that doesn't exactly have that. They have Dashie at 15.5, which is the highest, Envoy on around 14.4, Scum 14.4, and Formal 10.3. So Formal's obviously not pushing the pace. He's the AR. You don't need that. But they don't exactly have someone like an Abizi or Awakening or... Um, you know, someone in that sh- sort of caliber that's going to help push the pace to get that first blood that allowed them to open up sites. Um, and I think it's something that's interesting to note. Obviously, their S&D, um, you compare their win rate uh, is 42.5% on offense. So they're actually a pretty strong defensive S&D team. It's just their offenses, they're not capitalizing on like other teams are. And I think that's what's really hurting them because obviously we talked about phase, 70% win rate. I think New York was 55%. Optics only run 42.5%, so not amazing. Um, so it's definitely something that they need to focus on moving
1: forward. Uh, can I quickly comment on that uh, attack yeah, sure. uh, percentage? Yeah. The thing is, even if Optic gets the first blood on offense, they don't get creative with it. You could see on, let's say, on MW, on, when Onward was on Huntsman, even if it, they would get the first pick or get first pick, they would be creative with it, especially on uh, maps like St. Saint, Saint Petrograd. Or Amazza, which just get creative with it, you know. Maybe not switch sites, but like switch the positions, bait them up and bait them out a bit. Spread them out, spread them thin, you know. Show something different, and they didn't show that. They only show that on Moscow because, you know, like let's say Bruce or formal, uh, they work on the uh, B street, or let's say mid, you know, just put, uh, constantly try and put uh, pressure for on them. But like on other maps, especially on checkmate. They do not look do that. They just push the plane, you know. If we get the kills, we get the kills. If we don't, we don't. We lost the round, which I do not agree with at all, especially with the team uh, that has Dash and Onway on the same team.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah. moving Seth, do you have anything else to add or?
2: Oh uh, no, that's that's good. I was just gonna say, like moving on to the next. Uh, yeah. Next section is we're gonna talk about teams briefly here that didn't crack the top four um, and. Uh, some teams that would be disappointed. And so the first one is going to be the Rocker. Uh, so the Rocker, it's an interesting team because, again, we could to say it, every COD in existence attaches, again, another top 10 player, maybe even like, you know, he's very, very good again. But once again, it's not coming together for him. And the team, I don't that didn't choke. It's fine. I mean, they're they're a good team. It's just going to be, we talked about it last podcast, so I don't have to dwell on it too much, but it's just going to be a thing of like, you know, can and attach match the sub pressure of other teams, and then is Lamar going to be consistent enough as the main AR? So far, I think Lamar's been fine. I know he had a really, really bad was the last two maps when they lost
1: mm-hmm.
2: against. Uh, who did they play against?
0: They played yeah. against uh, Toronto and London. Are you going with, what, are you, what are you referencing, sir? Uh, who did who
2: they get, uh, rocker get eliminated by?
0: Oh, Toronto. Yes, yeah, Toronto. Toronto.
2: Yeah, yeah. Lamar had a really, really bad like map four, map five in that series. <laughs> if I recall correctly. So yeah, did, that yeah. kind of sucks. You know, there's not much you can really do if you're attached in that situation. But he has been consistent enough overall. I just think like they need to kind of fit like if they're gonna lead on S and D's they have to actually just win them and not lose them. So if that's gonna be what they're leading on, they have to get better and more consistent in them because like you they should have beaten Ultra. We saw how Ulster played this weekend. Rocker <laughs> would have definitely a better team. So that's my thought on Rock
0: Yeah, yeah, no just just adding on to that. So I mean the Rocker I mean they're still I think in my opinion the second or you could argue second or third top 3 SND team in the game. I mean, the, they were 6 in 1 going into the major. Um the only one they had dropped was the one against New York. And then when they played the Ultra, they dropped their second SND in map 5, which honestly, that map 5 looked horrendous. Like that did not look like a team that's top 3 in S D. They were pushing one by one, getting picked apart by the Ultra. Uh quite frankly, that was one of the Ultra's more impressive performances this weekend. Um but again, I think the one contention is their hard point is horrible. They're two and seven in hard point throughout the first major, which I mean that's just not going to cut it. You're never going to win series if you're two and seven in hard point. Um, they've won one one win on raid, one win on checkmate, and then uh, every other hard point they have multiple losses on. So you. Know, definitely a point they're struggling in and one thing i want to talk about them is uh i I saw it brought up by i hold shift and his series the playbook which again i recommend you watch really entertaining um he was while breaking down the hard point between uh miami and the ultra and he talked about how how one slow with the rocker are in general they're arguably the slowest team in the cdl when it comes to hard point. They're just slow to to rotate, slow to move around, slow to get map pressure. They're just not a fast team. And that's something that we mentioned was a concern of ours coming into the season with this team. And, you know, even the small things where, you know, when they go to rotate, they don't have someone, you know, pressed up middle map just to, you know, cut off rotation. They don't have anyone doing that. They just, you know, they almost play a little bit too passive at times. And, and it really hurts them in the hard point. I mean, their overall KDs, Lamar, a .9 attach a 1.02 and then the other two are, are negative and these are all talented players but you know you can't have that from this kind of roster and, and expect to win majority of your hard points so again um, really disappointing from them uh, i'm curious the, the, their hard point just has to get better going to stage two and i think if it does i mean their control s and s d are good enough to to be a top four team in the league it's just their hard points just been so lackluster
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, and... I, I I agree with that. Um, uh, I really w- uh, I really want to touch on this uh, hard point when it comes to Rocker. Not just that they are super slow, but their pacing is so off. Like the only semi-aggressive players are actually Attach and Priesta, and Priesta found the most success when he was on that flex, not when he was a second sub. And, like, accuracy for, in my opinion, he needs to uh, be faster. He needs to step up that pace. Because every. Look at the best ARs in the game right now. That's Clay. That's Formal. That's RCDs, That, like, players like that are faster ARs. They adapted to it. They said, you know, like, fuck it. In main AR, isn't main AR that doesn't move his uh, uh, L3. Like you know, I need to move around. I need to uh, I need to switch up the pace. I need to be a faster a bit. I need to help my team on a rotation. You know, not just be like uh, just stand somewhere. And I think if uh, accuracy doesn't do that, I think uh, Rocker should go for like a trigger, and uh, do the roster change in a sense of like uh, dropping accuracy and picking, let's say, a steam. You know, you boom, Edgermaniac maniac to main AR priest to second flex, and then you have a uh, really aggressive uh, sub duo in Asim- Asim and, uh, a a and attached but like that just that maybe wouldn't work you never know like maybe they suddenly switch out for the second major, you know like they suddenly became a bit faster hard point team and you know like they didn't have to rely on two three five rather than like one, one uh, two and five or two yeah. four and five you know like rely on their hard point pick which that would make them a more dangerous team because look at them, uh, you know, play, if they would play against top four teams, which are in my opinion NYSL, Optic, FaZe, and Empire, mm-hmm. they are going for two, three, five. FaZe is the best S and D team in the game. <laughs> yeah. Optic is the best control team in the game. Yep. Dallas is all around really good, at every single mode, and NYSL is just a worst version of empire like what do you do if they take a uh, control off you try and win a hard point when you're playing like that you're getting hard point clubbed in a hard in hard point you're <laughs> yeah. not winning
0: yeah no no 100 th- percent. i think one thing to even add to that is uh according to colleague stats their break percentage um most teams is around 20 i think phases are on 30 i think they're the lowest in the league they have a 10 percent break they don't break hills like I they rare like one out of the ten times they're breaking the hill, otherwise the other team's getting roughly forty to sixty points on that hill. So that's just another bad thing. They clearly don't know team setups or are pushing to break hills together. So that's another bad thing. Um, was there any other teams that we wanted to talk about? In this yeah, I year? think the I
2: think we'll do one more, and uh, it'll be LAG. I mean, we obviously do talk about the thieves, but okay. I think they, you know, I think they. Uh, this is actually more surprising because they beat the thieves. <laughs> the yeah. one thing I want to say about LAG though is we set up before. Last podcast, Yas mentioned, like, don't sleep on them. And the reason why you don't sleep on them is not because of the most skilled and, like, you know, best gun skill team in the game, but because I genuinely think they're going to be, like, the best practice team. Like, Faith might have upped that because they looked really good in terms of teamwork and everything. But, like, LOG is always going to be top in the league in practice, and they're going to have strats down. They're going to have. Because they change them basically every series they play. They adapt really fast, and they're always trying to figure out what the best thing to do against a certain team is and what their own strats are. They're constantly switching things up and they look really prepared. Like that 100 Thieves series, they looked way, way better prepared than 100 Thieves. It wasn't just like a guns weren't warm yet kind of thing. It was just like they were just better and ready and prepped. And it was really impressive. I don't think they, like I don't think their ceiling and their peak is, is winning a major. I, I'd be surprised to be honest if they did. But just yeah, like Yas in the last podcast, do not sleep on them because they might beat you. And it'll look embarrassing. That's kind of my thoughts on
0: that. I, I think one player I want to highlight from this roster obviously, people talk about apathy. Uh, everyone knows Assault's the Air. Silly's the guy that people talk about being dropped, even though he's, he's had some good series. Vivid might be the most underrated player in the league right now. Like from a, from a statistical standpoint as well, you look at it, um, he leads the league in hardpoint kills per 10 minutes. He is fourth in terms of control kills per 10 minutes. And he's, I think, sixth in S&D 1st blood percentage. That is incredible. So not only is he being super aggressive on the map, getting lots of kills, more, than, more kills than pretty much every person in the league in both the respawns, but he's also still doing his job that he did last year, which was getting first bloods in s and So overall, he's been playing fantastic. And I think that not enough people are talking about it because maybe his KDs don't reflect that. But these other advanced stats show that he is getting a lot of kills. He is getting the first blood in S&D. He's doing his job in, to help his team win. So I, I think more people should be talking about that. And, and I, I'd like to see uh, how this team improves uh, as the season progresses. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
1: I, I agree with that. But I, I would really comment on LAG in terms of like uh, their, their, their teamwork. They are the best. When it comes to teamwork, in my opinion, the only team that is better is the final phase when it comes to teamwork. S&D, hard point control, you name it. They are really good on rotations, really good at retaking. If you remember that 100 versus LAT series, like they were down five five two, And when they were down 5-4, they had two retakes back-to-back, 4v4, bomb down, and they retaked it. And in, re- in a really uh, good fashion, you know, like yeah. playing trades, you know, bait and switch, uh, for uh, forcing uh, uh, forcing LA teams to get out of their comfort zone, really showed how good of a team they are. Also, not just Zapati and Wivit playing well. I think Cillian S D has been uh, really well uh, playing, really well. And uh, recently, he hasn't been as good. But in S and D, he made some really clutch plays. I think he's the shot caller alongside Wivid In S and D, don't get me, don't get me. I'm not sure, hundred percent. But like they have been showing how a team should play, if uh, if they are playing versus a more talented team, you know, rely on your teamwork, not your gun skill. Guess, guess, that's, why,
0: that's why they play
1: top six. Yeah. yeah you, you
0: sorry to cut you off. Um, I was gonna say, guess where silly is in terms of S and KD. I like don't top 10. Top, what do you think? Top, top five. He's top three. He's third. He's a 1.37. He is tied with the awakening. That is wild. Wow. that he has that high. I didn't realize he was doing that. Well, obviously it helps when you have guy like vivid pushing in so far, but still that's super impressive. Um, But yeah, uh, if, if that's all we have to talk about with regards to LG, we can uh move on to our team of the majors, which we, we talked about obviously um this was the consensus uh if you guys ha- have a different opinion let us know um i personally wanted to add diamond con but dashy stats are really hard to ignore especially uh with the way he played this weekend um one thing i i wanted to talk about is bz in particular obviously a lot of people on reddit were giving him love when uh simp was announced as the major mvp which you know simp deserved it uh, obviously stats reflect so but i think I think more people are understanding how important of a role Abizi is playing and how maybe stats on the surface may not reflect that. His advanced stats and um, the way he plays definitely pass the eye test for sure. Uh, I mean, in SD, uh, first blood percentage, he's once again by far the leader, 28.7%. Again, really a catalyst for why they're so strong in SD is Abizi's constantly getting first bloods, constantly putting on that pressure. And, and it makes him such a dangerous player to play against. Um, Is a big reason why um, uh, I think he. Sh-
2: oh, I think we may yeah, have they- lost.
0: Oh, you're I okay. Ipad back. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's a big reason of why I, I think he should have been the MVP. Um, he plays such an integral role on this roster, and, and, and we've talked about it numerous times in the past. So I'm just beating a dead horse at this point. Uh, but yeah, incredible player.
2: I, I usually I usually back you. I usually agree and say that BZ is like more impressive because of his role, like you mentioned. But this past tournament, there were moments where Simp just took over, like regardless of somebody going in first. Like there were some gunfights he was winning that like nobody he was the person wasn't weak. He was just snapping. Like he was he was on one, especially in the in the grand finals too. Uh, but I think like I, I do agree that Simp makes his job a lot easier. But at the same time, Simp was on one this this tournament. Like he was just special. Especially, again, against, yes. especially the grand final. That being said, though, you know, I mean, these four players are nasty and it's hard to pick one as the best like player in the game, but I'm going to go with Hook in terms of being the best player in the game. Uh, I mean, he's the number one slayer rating, second in hardpoint QD, third overall QD. That's while he's IGLing as well, right? So he's literally doing everything he possibly can on the map to win and also in comms to win as well. I mean, we we obviously sung his praises earlier. We talked about Dallas, but it's just it's so impressive, especially when you when you consider the fact that like he's taking he's doing that well against like the tiny terrors. Like he's doing that well consistently against teams. He hasn't had that many bad maps, and for a sub player, that's kind of rare. It's like it's easier for sub players to have bad maps if they're just running into pre-aims and not the teams that are rotating in time and stuff like that. So I think his performance has been. In my opinion, the most impressive. But what do you guys think? Who's the best player in the game?
0: Uh, just one thought about, about Hugh. I would have agreed with you had it not been for his Grand Finals performance. I honestly did think he underperformed. Uh, but the whole the whole
2: team underperformed though. Like he still played fine. The, like, the, whole, the
0: whole, they, And there were there were certain moments where he was definitely underperforming, even in comparison to the team, especially sure. in those hard points, which I felt were well, he, what he went really he went like twenty
2: five and twelve in one of the hard points though.
0: Yeah, yeah no, the, the hard the hard point they won, but all the ones that they lost, he there was a point I feel like he was like four and 14 at one point. like, yeah, uh, I want, like, I agree. Like all the intangibles, all like, if you had asked me who was the best player going into the grand finals, I would have said Hugh, but I don't think you can, I can't personally put him up there with the performance that he had in grand finals. I mean, I, I, I could bring up the stats while, uh, well, Paz gives his thoughts. But, um, again, I, I agree with you on pretty much everything. It's just his performance in grand finals. I just can't put him up there as number one with the way he played that way. But again, uh, yeah, definitely like in that conversation for sure. But Pat, who do, who do you have as your, your your best player in the game right now?
1: Okay, so I'm a firm believer that Abizzi was the best player in Black Ops for an MW. But I think from now on, we should just start saying Abizzi and Simp are the best duo and that, that there should be. Ah, uh, two MVP awards for both of them because <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> the way they are playing is actually incredible. A busy dropping one point three while while entering, and you know, like that's really amazing as well. You know, and then you have Simp. You know, like you trade the busy, but then a dude trades you double as well. You know, like they go one for four because yeah. Simp is dropping one point five in the whole tournament, whole major which is incredible. And, like, of course, Celium doesn't have to do much. Arsity is ice yelling. Celium can just, like, lay, put his controller down and just watch them fry because of the way they, <laughs> they play together on a the map. They are a cohesive unit, especially two of them. So, basically, you are looking at two of the best players in the game, in my opinion, just doing absolutely everything to win the map, and they are doing it on a, in a crazy way. While entering and while being the first in, I think they should both be praised as much as they are getting praised right now. Uh, and like, I think Huke is like a top three player in the game right now. And Dash close for uh, close fourth.
2: Yeah, actually, that, that's fair. Also, looking at the SNDK, he's a one point six five from Sib is absolutely absurd.
1: One point six
2: five, search SNDK, without shit. the
0: snipe Without the snipe.
2: Without the sniper. That's that's insane. One point six five that's crazy. All right, maybe maybe that's fine. <laughs> uh, that's that's insane, yeah. Jesus.
0: Yeah, uh, but with that, uh, with that said, obviously, give us your thoughts. I mean, obviously, I know people will say, "Where is any? Where is any? Why is any up here?" Uh, trust me, we'll have him on the team of the stage. Mass, uh, bro. Stage two. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, one thing we wanted to end up the podcast was talking briefly about the AM scene. Obviously, uh, a bit of roster mania has gone down, uh, especially in EU. Both team obtained, and it looks like uh, I think. Team Singularity is also split up. Uh, they say Trey um, has to fulfill his obligations uh, on London. So maybe this means Zero is finally going to be in an A, which would uh, be pretty cool if he is. Um, nice to see him help up London. But again, uh, a bit of roster mania there. Really curious to see where guys like Bids land up because I feel like with the, the players that are free agents right now, you could definitely create a roster that's, but potentially could contend with Orglis and Rams, but I think Orglis... Once again, they won this past weekend. They proved that the best team in the game, um, in EU at least. Uh, I think the Rams are a close second, but when you have Vortex and Nasty playing the way they were and Josh IGLing, um, they're just going to be that much more dominant. Um, in NA, my boy Insight, he got the job done. His new team alongside Twerk, uh, Desi, and Draza. They look like a force to be reckoned with. Um, again, they ended up taking down Wester this series, beating Sib's new team in the grand finals. Um, obviously with a lot of the roster changes going on, it's going to be curious to see how the NA team will look for stage two, um, Western, I expect obviously to get better with time. Um, poor zap doesn't look like he has a team right now, which really sucks. Cause I, I think he played really well in the Western roster. Um, and it looks like UT crew signed up back together, uh, Yeez, uh, Rex and Jintroy, but this time instead of phantoms as they are, they got Mox, So that should be, uh, very interesting to see how that breaks down. But what did you guys make of the AM scene? Uh, uh, and what are you expecting going into uh, stage two?
2: So I am I am now officially launching the get decimate back into the pro league campaign. I after the first cup this this year, Desi was frying this specific map to on control garrison. He was just like melting people. And then obviously Western and subliners have started impressing, and Desi kept making roster changes and kind of fell out of the running. But over the last two cups they've played in or two tournaments, he has been insane. He's very good. The, the thing with Desi was always like he kind of needs a structured team to play around, so it's not super easy to pick him up. Like you can't really expect to pick him up and him to be the the like catalyst and sense of like he's he's gonna bring in the strats and he's gonna IgL. That's not really gonna work, right? So I don't know if you can replace a guy like Slacked um, in in that regard. But I th- he's extremely good at this game. And I've liked him since he came in the game, World War II. So I'm, I'm now officially launching Decimate, getting back in the Pro League. I want to see it. Um, also in, in EU, I uh, just recently read on Reddit that apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, speculation, but uh, Defrag and Man are, are kind of going back and forth as who should get dropped. And then, I, think that,
0: I think that's a joke. I, I saw that. It's on a joke? Okay. All right. <laughs> I know we got baited by it before, so I don't know if it's. I keep getting baited
2: by the fry, God damn it! But I would, I would like to see uh, Afro and Zero team together just because it'd be funny if, like, they started winning everything and if London started kept losing everything over here. The two subs were playing well. Uh, hopefully, eventually, the situations will get figured out and London could have the roster they want. But you know, we'll see. Uh, Page, any any thoughts on the MC? seed?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, Orgless is disgusting. Yep. Uh, and the Rams yep. as well they are really 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 well Uh, in front of everybody right now I think Westar made the biggest mistake by uh, sw- uh swapping uh, Phantoms and Zaptius I think that's a that's a mistake that will cost them a uh, few cups and for some uh, like maybe a spot in the CDL next year because like they were looking like a team that maybe like a team of four could be picked up for the next year because why not? Because of how good they played. And now mm-hmm. they do that and doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, they play opposite roles. One's a sub, one's like a main AR. I don't understand that.
1: Yeah, and one is a super aggressive sub and the other is yeah. like a slowest AR. You can see like the only slower, slower AR I know is uh, accuracy. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know what were they thinking, but like, you you know, if if uh, if it will work out in a sense of like they them uh, winning multiple uh, cups again, mm-hmm. you know, we will will look stupid, you know, because like, why are you switching at the fa- the one of the fastest sub in the AM scene for the slowest they are in the whole world, you know, like, well, does it, why?
2: I think like at a certain point though, it Venom's like so good at this game. He, I think they can make it work still, if they just play around him. He's he's incredible. I think he, I, like, I know I just said it should be in the league, but Venom's, in my opinion, the number one guy in North America right now. Oh, he should be on a roster. He is ridiculously good. So I think if, if they kind of play around him and the guys figure it out, they can still definitely take cups. Like, they'll be they'll be fine. Yeah. But he, I, Venom
0: Venom plays a lot like Q in the sense where he's he's going for flanks, he's going for wraps, he's incredible in S&D. He's great uh, in he control. Makes great plays, yeah.
2: Yeah, but That'll that'll wrap it up, I think, if you guys have anything else to
0: say. Uh, not that I know, but again, thank you, Patch, for coming on. Obviously, always delighted to have you on. Your insight is uh, very welcomed over here. But um, again, let us know what you guys want to see. Obviously, we got a bit of a break in terms of the CDL now, so it should be really entertaining to see when, to, when that ends up happening uh, with the teams. Roster Mania, obviously, in Challengers is ever-ongoing, so that should be very curious to see where that lands us for Stage 2. But, uh, you know, leave a like if you made it this far in the video. Comment down below what you want to see. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you in the next one. Thank you very much.